Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. So we're going to jump right on into our series today. We're in our miracle series where we're exploring the unexplainable and we're studying the miracles of Jesus. So if you haven't yet already, grab your Bible, open it up. It doesn't matter if it's pages or pixels. We're just going to jump right on in. Our anchor passage for today, we're going to look at a lot of scripture across the morning, but our anchor passage comes from Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. If you're new to the Bible, this is in the New Testament, and it's part of a prayer that the Apostle Paul wrote. Um, The letter to Ephesians is a letter that he wrote to a church in the city, Ephesus. And uh, this is one of the most powerful sections of it in chapter 3. He's concluding this beautiful prayer with these two lines here. We're trying to memorize it as a church, but for our purposes today, it's on your notes and on the screen. Just going to read it out loud all together. Ready? Go. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And good job. Now, uh, here's one thing as we're just very beginning preliminary stuff for what we're going to be talking about today. I want you to take out your pencil or pen or whatever you got to take notes with. Maybe take notes on your phone. I don't care. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to underline this phrase, immeasurably more. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Now, what's cool about this verse is that God could do more than you could possibly imagine or fathom. Oh, that's inspiring in and of itself, that God can do way more than you think he can do. That's cool. What's even more cool than that? And when I noticed it in my study for the sermon, is that God can do measurably more than all we ask. It's language of prayer. Prayer is not just asking God to do things, even though that's part of it. Prayer is about talking with God and developing a conversational life with the God of the universe. But in this part of prayer, when we're asking God to do miracles, for asking God to do the impossible, that it's saying here that God could do measurably more than even you ask him to do. Title of today's message is called God of the Possible. God of the Possible. Now, we're considering how God could do immeasurably more than we ask. You have to think about it this way um, What does God do in relation to prayer? Some people think if we pray here, like if there's such thing as a prayer meter, depending on you know, what makes good prayer or not, which I think God just wants honesty, right? Not, not eloquence or length or who could pray the longest or the loudest. God wants a, just a broken, honest heart. But if there was such a meter for good prayer, if we prayed here, some people have an idea that when we pray, God actually answers just down here. That God does like 30% of what we ask. So it's kind of, eh, whatever. Some people think if we pray here, then God will do this. And God will not answer any more than what we pray. It's like what you put in is what you get out of it. You reap what you sowed. So if you pray here, God's going to answer here. If you pray here, God's going to answer here. Now, this is not, I think, a true picture of God. Because if God does everything that we ask, that makes me feel like we've got God on a leash. And who's God then? Us or him? 
God is not some God in a genie in a bottle when you rub the bottle and he comes on out and we get three wishes and we get exactly what we wish for. That's not who God is. The Apostle Paul is the right picture of the God of the Bible revealed in Jesus, which is he could do immeasurably more than you ask. We pray here, God answers here. That makes no sense, except if God is generous and loving and powerful and kind and loves not just to show up in your life, but loves to show off in your life to bring him glory. That's what we're talking about. When I was trying to illustrate this point of, okay, how can, how can I show everybody here? I mean, this is such a fascinating idea that if we pray here, God over delivers. I couldn't think of an illustration for it, so I decided just to turn to Facebook. And I put this post online. It's sometimes I sermon crowdsource. Uh, I'm not for, not all of my friends on Facebook are church people, but I said, a sermon crowdsourcing for my church friends. When was a time when God, or excuse me, when was a time when Jesus totally exceeded something you asked him to do? He delivered way up here. A time when maybe God over-delivered to your delight. And this is, you could see the timestamp on this. This was several days ago, almost over a week and a half ago. And by then, at least almost 50 people commented on it. Some more people commented since then. Can I read you some of the stuff that people said? It's almost all from here in our church. So here's some stories of God showing up and showing off, over-delivering to our delight. One person wrote, after seven years of heartbreaking infertility, two wonderful kids. Praise God. Here's another one. After infertility... Four kids in four years. I'm not sure to say praise God or I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't know. Right? Here's another one. This is another person in our church. It said, after being told my cancer had metastasized and the discussions to follow about prolonging life, more tests were ordered to see if the cancer had spread to other parts of my body. And the couple weeks it took to get the results, I was prayed over and loved on like I'd never experienced before with the help of friends and so many more complete strangers. When the doctor said there was no tumor on my spine, parentheses, or anywhere else, boom, I was in total disbelief. She said doctors had no explanation. I told her the only thing that was different was prayer. Awesome. Here's another one. Uh, when doctors told me I would never recover after almost dying over the holidays in 2016 into 2017, um, I recovered and then some. This is a, a young woman in our church. She had a full intestinal transplant. Okay? Um, I know. I've spent a lot of time with her in hospitals. Um, she really did almost die. In between 2016 17, she would never recover. She has recovered and then some. Her transplant is fully functional, and not only does she walk and talk, but she has traveled all over the U.S. since. Um, she was told she would never recover. Now she's going on almost 10 months out of the hospital, and she had pretty much lived in the hospital for two years straight. Boom. Thank you, God. Sometimes some of the stuff doesn't have to do with medical things. It's just other ways where God shows up and shows off in her life. Um, where's Everett? Is he in the house? Everett's volunteering this morning. He's not in the room right now. I made, you know, I embarrassed him at the nine o'clock. Um, Everett wrote this. He said, "When we had to move from Connecticut to Maryland for my job, we found ourselves in a financial in a financial bind. Surely nobody here has ever been in a financial bind. <laughs> we were in a bind by a specific amount of several thousand dollars, and had no idea of how to proceed. 
but pray. And pray we did. After a few days before the deadline, a check showed up in the mail for the exact amount we needed, not a penny more or less, for someone that had no knowledge of our need other than they felt God wanted them to do it. Can you imagine being the person who mysteriously felt led by the Holy Spirit to do that? Give Everett several thousand dollars. You want me to do what? Okay. Several thousand dollars and 15 cents. What? Okay. Only God, right? Only God. Um, here's a, I don't know why I have a pen in my pocket. That was convenient. Okay. I just, all right, whatever. All right. Uh, so, and then I get this. One of the people who commented on the thread was my dad. Oh, listen to what my dad wrote. He said, we prayed for the wives that would one day be married to our sons, and did he deliver big time. Isn't that cool? That's cool. So heartwarming and awesome. And then I paused and thought about it. I'm like, wait a minute. Does my dad think it was a miracle that I landed Leah? Yeah, don't cheer too loud for that. I don't know who that was. That's going to hurt my feelings. Hey, now. Yeah, I told him that uh, he listened to the message last night, and uh, when I was talking to him on the phone after, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go back in the thread and comment on it, hashtag my son's married up. I'm like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> thanks a bunch, Pops. Wow. So here's the big point of what I want you to get today. We're just talking about one thing all morning long. I have different angles I want to talk about it in, but one thing all morning long, and it's this. Write it down. Give God a chance to blow your mind. Give God a chance to blow your mind. Just get all the highfalutin theological words out of the way. Just, I'm saying it straight. God wants, God wants to blow your mind. And notice what we're saying today. It's not, it's not God can blow your mind. What I want you to get from today is give God the chance to blow your mind. So how does somebody give God the chance to do that in the first place? Well, it's all about prayer. It's all about prayer. And depending on what your spiritual journey is like, our church is built for people who have never been to church, used to do church, got hurt by church, or skeptical of church. Our church is built for people like that and people who are learning to be fully devoted followers of Jesus all at the same time. So there's a wide spectrum of people on, on their journeys here within these walls and streaming online. So if you're in one of three camps with how to apply this message today, it's first off, you might be unfamiliar with prayer. Or you might be disappointed with prayer. Or you might be over-familiar with prayer. You could be over-familiar with prayer. Oh, yes. You could be over-familiar. Um, you are in at least one of these categories here today. Every single person in this room, you're in at least one of these categories. I had somebody come up to me after the 9 o'clock and said, I think I'm in all three. I'm like, just, calm, just calm down but you're in at least one. And so your job with the help of the Holy Spirit and God's movement here in this room, even if you're not even sure if God is real or if he's in this room, he's here to help you figure out which one of these three you're in. So let's talk about it. So let's say you're unfamiliar with prayer. You're unfamiliar with prayer. Well, the miracle that we're talking about today that Jesus did comes from Matthew chapter 21. And so we're going to turn there now. It's on your sermon notes. It's verses 21 through 22. Uh, but for the sake of context, I'm going to read it from 18 all the way through. Um, as concerning the miracles of Jesus, this might, I mean, Jesus did some 
far out stuff. This is probably the weirdest one, okay? So just brace yourself a little bit. Matthew 21, verse 18 says this. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. That's the miracle. (laughs) Hangry Jesus gets ticked at a tree. (laughs) What? Oh, man. Verse 20. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How amazed is in translate, Jesus blew their minds. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. And Jesus replied, Boys, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you could say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. How many of you have ever actually eaten a fig before? And fig newtons don't count, okay? But <laughs> half the hands went down the road. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I had never seen a fig or tried a fig ever in my life until a couple years ago. Um, here's, you could buy them at Costco. Here's the bag of what it looks like at Costco. Or you could get them just about anywhere. They're delicious. They're Smyrna fig, super snack. Oh my gosh, dried figs are such a yummy, tasty, healthy snack. Just delicious. Um, Eric Stewart, our student ministry director, don't we love Eric? Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric was the one who introduced me to figs. And so here's a picture of him. He has a fig tree in his backyard when he grew up in Georgia. And uh, so there's the fig tree in his backyard. Here's another picture without Eric and have just the tree. That's a fig tree. That's a fig tree. That's what it looks like. And it helps me because um, I don't know how I didn't know what a fig was. I'm like, well, it's apparently it's the only type of tree and fruit that grows in Israel. No, you can buy it at the grocery store. I just needed to expand my food palette, apparently. Um, so Jesus goes to his fig tree. Can't find fruit on it. There's, it wasn't actually hangry or impetuous. There was a reason why he did it that we can go into. But he cursed the tree, tree withered, blew the disciples' minds. And then Jesus took that as a teaching moment. Because the disciples were like, how'd you make the tree wither like that so quickly? What in the world is going on? And it was like Jesus said, that's nothing. You thought that was something. Let me tell you. If you have faith and do not doubt, you could say to this fig tree, what I said to it will happen. But not only that, you could say to that mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. See, Jesus is taking the moment to teach them to expand their vision, to expand the horizons, to expand what's even possible in their heart. Turns out what's possible with God? Anything. Anything. Now, just point of clarity, when Jesus is saying, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll be done for you. What Jesus is not saying is, if you have faith, he'll make you an X-man and you can move mountains. That's what I thought it was in fifth grade. I thought this was really cool. I wanted superpowers. It's never that. God is always the one who moves mountains, but he wants to partner with your faith and prayer to do impossible things in the world and for good. 
for good. So Jesus is using this word picture of these mountains to illustrate what feels like impossible situations, impossible circumstances, things that look desperate, things that look despairing, things where it looks like there's no hope and it's impossible and God looks us back in the eyes and say, that's easy for me. What seems hard and impossible to you is an easy thing for me. With God, all things are possible. And so if you're unfamiliar with prayer, most people don't know to pray for anything. Let's say if you're like a, church has never really been a big part of your life, and that's okay. Um, Most people in that category, if they've prayed, most people are spiritual but not necessarily religious. If you're in that category, um, most people, I think, the most they pray for is like for parking spots or Powerball tickets. <laughs> but Powerball gets real high, man. Prayer goes way up in Palm Beach County. <laughs> um, but I think here's the step for you. So I mean, if you're a religious step, but maybe if, even if you're like a religious person, if you've been doing church at some form of religion, there are some people who do different forms of Christianity where the only thing they've ever prayed were already written prayers or prayers somebody else told you to pray. Or you're living off the prayers of a family member of somebody else, but you for yourself have never gotten specific with God about anything. I think your application for today, if you're unfamiliar with prayer, if you want to give God a chance to blow your mind, I want you to think in here, what are the impossible and movable mountains in your life? And name the mountain. And ask God to begin to move it. That's what the picture is of the graphic of our sermon series. It's not a dark cloud, it's a mountain. Some people didn't know that. Now you do. Yeah. What if God's inviting you to experience the wonder and joy of seeing him move a mountain that looked impossible at once in your life. To have a relationship reconciled that was dead. To have a mountain of debt that you have no idea of how to overcome for God to provide for it. For a horrible diagnosis that you're asking God to move in. For a mountain of depression and despair that you don't know how it's ever going to go away, how God can move it. Name the mountain. Name it. Ask God to move it. Now let's go back to our verse in Matthew. He says here at last, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Does that bother anybody else in here? It bothers me as a pastor reading it. It's not because I think Jesus is wrong. It's because I know plenty of people who have believed with all their heart and did not receive what they asked for in prayer. Now it got real quiet in here. See, there's a reality piece here that we got to talk about. Jesus isn't wrong. Jesus isn't being idealistic. What Jesus is trying to do is to grow the disciples' faith, to ask God to do impossible things. But Jesus knows what it's like to not have prayer answered. In the first week of this sermon series, if you missed it, go back and watch it or download it. Dale and I talked about the elephant in the room of what happens when miracles don't happen. Jesus in his own hometown couldn't perform any miracles. He knows the pain of unanswered prayer. And the night before Jesus was crucified, he prayed to the Father and said, Father, I pray that all who come after me as my followers, that they would be one 
as you and I are one. And many, many Christ followers of the billions of Christ followers in the world today are not one. Jesus lives with the pain of unanswered prayer too. He gets it. And so maybe you're unfamiliar with prayer, but maybe you've been disappointed with prayer where you did name a mountain and something happened and you feel let down by God. What do you do with that? How do you give God a chance to blow your mind like that? Well, in the Bible reading plan we do for our church, there was a passage we read last week that I think perfectly applies and ties into what we're looking at in this miracle of Jesus. It's a story of what's called the liberation of Peter, how Peter was in jail and was broken out of jail by an angel. It's the heavenly version of prison break. And so here's some paintings of it. Uh, the great uh, Renaissance painter Raphael, not the Ninja Turtle, but the Renaissance painter Raphael. Uh, here's his painting of the liberation of St. Peter. Here's another one, a wonderful Renaissance artist. Angel coming and breaking Peter out of jail. It's a powerful story. But what I want to do today is I want to tell you not what happened with Peter and an angel. I want to tell you what happened before. I want to tell you what happened after. So, Acts 12, it's on the screen. It's not on your notes. Just read along with me. It was about this time the king Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John. And again, the disciples, there's 12. And within the 12 was the three of Peter, James, and John. Jesus' inner circle, they were the leaders of the church. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Good guys aren't supposed to die, right? When he saw that this met with approval from among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. I hope you see the tension here in this text. What we've been trying to talk about all sermon series long is God can do the impossible and when we see a miracle happen in this world, it's the inbreaking of the coming kingdom of Jesus. It's breaking into the world. And when we see tragedy and loss and death and cancer and injustice and pain and racism and any other broken thing in this world, when we see that happen, it's the uprising of a kingdom of darkness that's already defeated, but it's having its last grasp at power. There's one kingdom that's breaking in and one dying kingdom that's still trying to rise up again. So we have James and Peter. Two apostles. One gets the sword and one gets the miracle. What do you do with that? This is how you know the Bible's real. If somebody was making it up, everybody would be released from prison by an angel. But it didn't happen that way. So we have to hold these things in tension. God's the God of miracles. We're still in a broken world and we're living in between of Jesus coming again. What do you do? What's fascinating here, if I was the first Christians in the early church and I saw what had happened, 
I would have been heartbroken over James, devastated by it, confused by it. Surely they were fasting and praying their faces off for him, and they would have felt horribly disappointed in prayer. I would have felt that way. And then Peter gets arrested too. I would have gone straight into despair, maybe even depression and sorrow and anxiety for sure because of the feeling of letdown. And so would you, right? But look at what happened next. In verse five, it says here, so Peter was kept in prison, but, 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 the church was earnestly praying to God for him. It was like they didn't give up. It was almost as if they were watching what happened when Peter goes into prison, and it's almost as if when James got the sword, it's almost like those first Christians didn't do what we do, where we look at God and go, where were you? It's almost like those first Christians were looking at what happened to James, goes, we know that's not God's fault. We know that sin is still in the world, that Satan is at work in the world, that darkness and death is still at work in the world. And so we're not giving up. We're going to keep on praying. And we're not going to give up, even though we feel disappointed and let down. How do you give God a chance to blow your mind if you feel like God has let you down? Here's exactly what you do. You go to him today, and you don't fake a single thing. God can't speak to the fake version of you when you put on a mask in his presence. Did you know that? You don't fake a single thing. And you look at him and go, I'm mad at you. I'm disappointed. I'm confused. And I'm hurt. But I'm not going anywhere. And you just show up again and again and again. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you could possibly do today is to go and rail at God and yell at God. And when you get it all out of your system, go, all right, God, now here's the rest of my prayer list. It says this in Luke 18. When Jesus told us, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You know what the enemy of your soul would want more than anything else for your life? For you to experience a loss and a disappointment in life and, to have, and for him to point the finger at God and blame him to get you to back away from praying. But I'm telling you, the world needs your prayers. The world needs your prayers, not just for your life, but to move mountains in this world that need to be moved. Following Jesus is not about getting a ticket to heaven. Or say, oh good, I have a parachute now when I die. Is it true that you get to go to heaven? Yes, and it's wonderful. But Jesus taught his people to pray, Father, may your kingdom come and may your will be done here just as it is in heaven. Jesus doesn't want to just get you to heaven. He wants to bring heaven to earth and fix everything that was broken. And he's going to do it on the backs of the prayers of people who love Jesus. Say, God, move the mountain of injustice in our world. Move the mountain of racism in our world. Lord, move the mountain of sex trafficking in our world. God, move this mountain and that mountain. Just name the evil that seems impossible and ask God to move it. And God needs you to do it. But the temptation is to back away from prayer if we've been disappointed. Give God all your hurt and keep showing up, amen?
Amen. Last thought. So Peter is in prison and the church is praying for him. They're not giving up. The passage says that an angel appeared and it was literally like he kicked Peter. He was asleep. Like he nudged him like, get up. He could have been nicer than that, don't you think? Like, Peter, it's time to go. Get up. Chains fall off Peter. The angel escorts him out, Peter following behind him. And as the angel's walking, door after door after door opens up and he escorts Peter and Peter thinks it's a dream until Peter realizes that he's outside and he can feel the cold night air on his skin. He's like, I'm not dreaming this. This is actually happening. I've been set free from prison by an angel. And the story picks up in verse 12. When this had dawned on Peter... He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhonda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it, exclaiming, Peter is at the door. You can't make this stuff up. It's Peter, it's Peter. Oh my gosh, it's Peter. I just broke out of jail. Let me in the door, woman. It's hilarious. Verse 15, so she runs and tells them, Peter's at the door, everybody. In this little prayer meeting that's happening, they say, you are out of your mind, they told her. And she kept insisting it was so, and they said, it must be his angel. See, church people do weird things when you're over-familiar with churchy stuff. What's weirder? You're in a prayer meeting, praying for Peter, and Peter shows up at the door. Is that, is that weird? Or is it weirder that these people are sitting in a circle talking to an invisible God and expecting nothing to happen? What's weird? That's weirder and a huge waste of time. But thank God it was Peter. And thank God when they let him in, Peter kept on knocking and they opened the door and saw it was him. They were astonished. Their minds were blown. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and describe how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, this is a different James, not the James who had died. This is a different James. This is James, the biological brother of Jesus. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. You can be so over-familiar with, with dead religion that it numbs you. And so you do all the religious things, but all of a sudden, you begin to quit expecting God to do impossible things in your midst. And some of you have been doing this Jesus thing long enough where you need God to come and rattle your cage and saying, you're a little over familiar with this, wake up. And so what's the remedy for that? You need God to shake you up a bit. The same story about the fig tree, Matthew, is told in Mark with a different wrinkle. and says this, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, it does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, and here's the new wrinkle, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. What this is not saying is if you believe that you've already received what you're asking for in prayer, it tricks God into doing whatever you want. That's not it. 
what Jesus is saying is, when you're asking God, have such faith and trust that his answer is yes to every good thing that it will trick your own heart to having more faith. I want to have the type of faith that when I'm praying in a circle of friends for Peter and I hear a knock on the door, that I'm not surprised it's Peter. I want to have the type of faith when I'm praying for Peter and I hear a knock, I want to have the type of faith that says, it's probably Peter. Go open the door and make the brother a sandwich. I want to have that type of faith. The faith that thanks God for the answers that are on the way. So except praying for a lost child, a wayward son or daughter, or a strange relationship or a broken family dynamic here in this room, begin to thank God that he's already at work on it. I want to have that type of faith. Friends, give God the chance to blow your mind. Give him the chance. He wants to. Depending on where you are, do you just need to learn to name the mountain? Do you need to learn to bring all your hurt and pain to God and not give up? Or do you need to start thanking God that the answer's already on the way? You're in one of those three categories. We're just going to take a moment and I'm going to lead you in prayer before we dismiss. So I invite you now to bow your heads. And we're just going to pray for a minute. And with your head bowed and your eye eye closed, I want you to think about what category are you in? Are you unfamiliar with prayer? Disappointed? Maybe a little over-familiar. Search your hearts now. I feel like there's somebody in here... um, I feel like there's somebody in here who you've struggled with a deep loss with God and there might have been a point where you even told God that you hate him. And if that's you, I just feel like, I might be wrong, but I just feel like the Lord's saying that if that's you, um, that he can take even your hate. He just wants you to draw close to him and he'll wrap his arms around you. And you don't need to be afraid of saying that to him. He forgives you and wants you to come close again, if that's you. I feel like there's somebody in here who feels like that you've lost everything. I feel like God wants to give you a promise that even from dust and ashes, God can bring forth new life. There's a scripture that says God brings beauty from ashes. And there's somebody in here who feels like you've lost everything. And God has that promise for you. He can bring beauty from ashes. So God, wherever we are, we know that you're the God who loves to move mountains. We give you the opportunity now to move in our lives and to do the impossible. Lord, come and blow our minds with your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Now everybody said, amen. If you're able, would you please stand for our closing words? Um, before we dismiss, there are friends who are going to be over here, and there's going to be some over here in just a minute who are going to pray. 
And uh, if you need prayer, come this way. Somebody would love to talk to you and pray with you about anything you got going on before you go that way. But otherwise, friends, receive your, this benediction in your hearts. Now to him who is able to do more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next weekend.